0: Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Welcome back to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. So as has been the story of 2019, weather has really taken center stage in agriculture. We've gone from seemingly never-ending rains to drought conditions, and now back to rain and cold. So we've seen a lot through this year. Today, we've got Dr. Aaron Wilson, You know him. He's a regular guest on our podcast. Welcome, Aaron. Would you start off by introducing yourself?
2: Hi, Elizabeth. Uh, Yeah, Aaron Wilson here. I am a research scientist and climate specialist with the Bird Polar and Climate Research Center and OSU Extension. Uh, And as you said, I love to talk about weather and climate and and great to be here with you and Amanda today.
1: Great. So, Aaron, it's been a while since we've talked to you. It it was August um, and the weather seems quite different than it was back then. So could you just start off by giving us an overview of what's happening since what has happened since the last time we talked?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, so beginning of August, obviously, we were starting to see some dry signals over portions of the state, uh, particularly over areas of Southwest Ohio, West Central Ohio, uh, which was a bit different than what we saw, you know, for basically since the fall of 2018 leading up through June of this past year. Uh, where we've just had a tremendous amount of rainfall uh, near the top 10 or near the top um, record wettest, really, as we look at fall of 2018, winter of 2019, spring of 2019, fifth wettest June. And then it seemed like almost immediately uh, once we got to July, the faucet really turned off. Uh, for everyone across southwest Ohio. And between July, August, and September, we had many locations uh, only pick up maybe four inches of rainfall over that three-month period, four to six inches of rainfall. Uh, So we had drought conditions, moderate drought conditions that really developed throughout the month of August into into September and October. Um, We had our warmest September on record going back to 1895, so that didn't help matters much. So there was a lot of demand on any moisture that we had uh, lying around. Um, and, and so we started to see some of the impacts on, on, on farms, uh, particularly with pastures and some degradation in pasture conditions. Uh, we had been dealing with crops, many that went into very wet soils. Um, some late crops needing some moisture at, at that time throughout August and September and, and things got really dry. Uh, and, and we know that the dry conditions, you know, helped some, maybe hurt others. A lot of variability throughout the fields as we started to look and assess harvest. Uh, now, as we went through October and into November, but certainly, you know, this extreme flip flop or change from wet conditions to dry conditions has really been the story, except for parts of Northwest Ohio. I mean, eventually, we did have dry conditions. I would say basically along that I-71 corridor, um, you know, many miles on either side of that. But if you went up to Northwest Ohio, they really have not had a break from the rainfall and the wet conditions. Uh, it stayed wet up there throughout the summer and throughout the fall. So we ended up having kind of a tale of, of two parts of the state, Northwest Ohio and everyone else.
0: Yeah, that was really interesting. Um- for me being in West Central Ohio where we got really dry and then um, to learn that that wasn't the case all over the state. And of course you get so consumed by where you're at that you kinda forget that there's a whole nother world out there sometimes. But the yield maps this fall have just been so interesting around this area. You can definitely pull out soil types. from those yield maps because that crop got so dry, those soils got so dry, and the ones that have better water holding capacity really showed. And then Elizabeth, you've mentioned that some of the soybean yields, even though we had some dry areas, um, maybe because of the later planting, soybean yields have been pretty phenomenal in some areas too.
1: Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty surprised by some of the yields we've been hearing, especially on the soybean side. You know, it really goes to show how much those late rains and, you know, in parts of the state, they had those steady rains all summer and then kind of an elongated season with it staying so warm into September. You know, that goes a long way with soybeans. Pretty miraculous.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see the county yields when they come out um, to really know what the impact was on the weather around the state. Um, so Aaron, moving forward, um, we've had a little bit of precipitation, even some snow already. So what's uh, winter looking like here?
2: Yeah, so we can kind of assess what we've seen um, toward you know the latter half of October and the first part of November. We certainly started to see a little bit more rainfall. Uh, steady rainfalls that really helped uh, recharge the soil moisture. For instance, so we were dealing with some large deficits in the soil moisture. I mean, incredible to think about going from the 99th percentile in soil moisture in June uh, to basically below the 30th percentile. Just very dry conditions, as you as you noted uh, in your in your neck of the woods. There, um, if if we look at the amount of rainfall we've seen over the last 30 days. Um, we've seen anywhere from about two inches of rainfall across parts of Northwest Ohio to as much as six inches um, down parts of uh, Southeast, Eastern and Southern Ohio. So that's been beneficial. Uh, we had a couple, you know, a few storms and disturbances move through that, that was really steady rainfall. And, and I had a lot of folks telling me, look, you know, um, basically saw no ponding, no no, there was no flooding, no ponding from the rainfall that we were seeing. It was really soaking into the soil. Quite nicely, so that's really helped our deficits. And if we look across uh, Southwest Ohio, that's an area where deficits still remain a little bit. If we look at the last thirty to sixty days, Uh, but it's with an inch or two. And so we're not really dealing with drought conditions now across the state. Just some lingering dry conditions. Um, But but as is kind of typical these days in Ohio, our droughts can be short-lived and very intense. Uh, but are often punctuated and ended as we get into fall, which we've seen a large increase in precipitation trends over the last, say, 60 years in our fall, which really, you know, helped those drought conditions fairly rapidly. Um, Obviously, you mentioned the S word earlier, Elizabeth and and Amanda, I think, um, you know, with the snow falling, it's not the earliest snowfall that we've seen across the state, but we don't see snow in early November every, every year, so we've had that this November. Very cold air outbreak, uh, very much below average temperatures here through the first week or two of November, uh, where we're seeing our, our, our daily highs that are really where our, our normal lows should be. So quite, quite cold conditions, uh, dropping the soil temperatures very rapidly, Um, And if we start to look out, we we see that pattern, you know, we're sitting in in middle November now, Uh, we see that pattern sort of lingering through the third week of November. And then a a slight moderation of that we see as we head into the first part of December, we expect temperatures to kind of moderate back closer to normal, uh, perhaps a little bit above normal as well. Uh, as far as the precipitation goes over the next, you know, two to three weeks, we're looking at fairly dry conditions. So, folks that are certainly still needing to get the crops out of the field um, and, and dry down, uh, there, there's some there's some hope there in terms of the weather pattern. So, we don't see, um, you know, a lot of of, of wet weather. Uh, kind of normal to dry conditions expected as we head into December.
0: Erin, you mentioned um how it's been cold below average and that's just like in the spring, it was cold and then it flipped a switch and it was hot, and then it, it flipped a switch and it was cold again. I mean, what's with these sudden changes rather than having a spring and a fall?
2: Yeah, you bring up a, a good point and you know what we're seeing in the trends in terms of some high variability. Um and we're, we're seeing some big differences month to month between very, you know, very warm conditions and very cool conditions. Um, part of it is just the activity and the, the variability of the jet stream uh, in motions of the, basically how weather patterns are moving across the country. Um, and, and really amplify what we call an amplified pattern. So right now, for instance, this really drastic switch to cold weather, well, uh, you can find its origins in the Arctic, actually. We've, we've had you know de- decreasing sea ice across the Arctic, and in this fall in particular, as the ice starts to refreeze across Alaska um, and, and the, the ocean around Alaska, it's been very, very slow to form ice this year because of those warm conditions. So what that allows is it allows warmer air to really surge northward into the Arctic, into Alaska, into the Western Arctic. Well, there's still cold up, cold air there around the, around the pole, and, and air just acts like a fluid. So when you push it on one side, it's going to move in the opposite direction on the other side. And so you've got that cold air in the Arctic, and it's got to go somewhere. And it's either going to go over to the Eurasian continent, or it's going to slide down to the eastern U.S. because it can't tr- cross the Rockies. And so as we see this amplified pattern, we call it a, cold, uh, a warm Arctic cold continent pattern, for instance, what we're in right now because that warm air is able to surge into the Arctic, but then that cold air gets displaced uh, to the lower latitudes where we live. And, and so we're seeing that amplified pattern in our transition seasons quite a lot where you're seeing warmer air surge north, colder air surge southward um, as, as those systems move across the country.
0: Oh, it's amazing how global weather really is.
1: Yeah,
2: it's, it's very connected.
0: I'm, I'm
1: excited to hear that you think that we might have some temperature variability because one of the biggest concerns I'm hearing is the amount of soil compaction that we accumulated. It seems like over the over the season, and I think a lot of that's been tri- could be attributed to the weather, um, all those heavy rains that we got early in the year. So, do you think that that's gonna we're gonna see um, a good pattern of freeze thaw to maybe break up some soil?
2: Yeah, you know, as we start to look out um, into our December and beyond, December, January, and February. Uh, overall right now the Climate Prediction Center is is sort of split between close to normal to maybe slightly above normal for that entire period Uh, what that says to me and based on the weather patterns that we're seeing is we will see a lot of high variability we will have cold air outbreaks this season uh, followed by some warmer thawing temperatures uh, you know within the same month and so that will obviously provide some ample opportunities uh, for those freeze-thaw cycles Um, and, and of course that also depends, you know, uh, the properties and things like that in, in terms of precipitation. We, right now we do expect an active pattern across the northern tier of the U.S., across the Great Lakes and in our region. So right now the Climate Prediction Center is pretty strongly noting the, an increased probability of above average precip for our winter. Now, I know that there's probably a lot of folks that don't want to hear about that. And of course, that can also cause issues with freeze and thaw cycles as well. We think about heaving plants and and impacts on forages and stuff. Um, and, And just the fact that, you know, the water memory that we had from such a great amount of water earlier in the year caught up very fast ending this drought. And now we're looking at a wet winter. And even possibly right now, it looks like the outlooks are for a wet spring as well, March, April, May. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we're going to have those temperatures up and down, but we're also going to be dealing with some wet weather uh, throughout the winter as well. Opportunities for snowfall can help provide some insulation as well. But uh, with those highly variable temperatures, I think we're going to see plenty of the winter uh, that's bare as well.
1: Yeah, that's probably one of the keys to it is we don't want those temperatures to change too quickly. (laughs) Um, because then that's going to lead to a lot of the issues that we saw with wheat and forages across Northwest Ohio last spring.
2: Right, right. And so you know, if we get the transitions between warm and cold that are that are relatively slow, uh, but that's really not been what we've what we've seen, right? I mean, essentially we went from temperatures in the mid to upper 90s first of October to now we're we're, we're talking about lows in the teens, uh, and that's what we've seen across the state. So big, big, big shift. Right. We extended the, the, the fall and then really fell off a cliff in terms of our temperatures here.
0: So I have to ask as a snowmobiler, what's the prospect of some good riding snow around Ohio? Yeah,
2: I, I think I think we have a good opportunity for snowfall this year. I mean, with an active pattern um snowfall is very difficult to forecast because you have to have all the right ingredients come together obviously we're talking about you know an increased probability of of precipitation whether that's rain or snow we know we've seen years where we get plenty of winter rainfall but not a lot of snow because you never get a a good polar air outbreak at the time we're seeing the moisture we have that opportunity i think this year uh, to to have some what we call phasing between cold air coming down from the Arctic and some warm moist air being thrown over the top of it, and that's a perfect scenario for some snowfall. So, uh, as a snow lover myself, I mean, as most meteorologists are, um, that's why a few forecasts usually get hyped a little bit and go astray. But but we we a lot of us love, and I certainly absolutely love the the, uh, the snowfall. Um, I'm optimistic that we're going to see some some decent snowfall this year. You know, typically we see anywhere from, you know, 20 inches across southern Ohio uh, to generally 40 inches across northern Ohio, which much more downwind of Lake Erie, which is another issue uh, that we can touch on the, the lake effect snow that should be kicking in uh, over the, the the latter half of November here. But anyway, I'm, I'm optimistic about our, our potential for snow for sure.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's um, been a while. I mean, we get snow a little bit here and there, but it seems like it's been quite a few years since we've had um, a big snowfall event.
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, last year one of the things about up in the northeast part of the state and, um, was really the lack of lake effect snowfall last season. So a lot of the snowfall, there were snowfall deficits across the north and in northeastern counties, especially in the snow belt. Because temperatures were very warm this fall, uh, we still have lake temperatures that are in the 50s and now we've got this very cold air flowing over the top of that, creating the opportunities for very strong downwind lake effect across Northeast. So those lake effect guns and machines should uh, really kick into gear here as we uh, you know round out November and head into the first of December.
1: All right, Aaron. So I think it's time to touch on a subject that most of us probably aren't ready to think about um, you're one of the best forecasters I know. So, could you give us a way too early outlook on what you think is going to happen this spring?
2: Yeah, I, I I certainly think you know one of the things uh, one of the things that we look at is as we head into spring is you know what's the pattern like in, in winter uh, if we if this active pattern and a lot of moisture stick around. Uh, Which we expect it to, I think, for winter time. Then you get into a spring where you've got very saturated soil conditions, and that tends to lend itself to toward a very slow warm up. We've seen that, right? We've seen Aprils uh, that tend to be wetter, uh, and we see Aprils that tend to be on the cooler side because we've got a lot of moisture in the soil, and it just takes a a longer time to warm up the soils um, because of that, and and you know, the sunshine we get is going into evaporating that moisture instead of directly ri- uh, raising the temperature. So what I expect is if, we've, if we get this wetter than average winter, which I do expect, it's likely to lend itself to a wetter than average spring. Uh, probably a cool start. And then we'll have to see once we turn into May and June, you know, what's that May like? One of the things we look at is a very strong April signal in terms of increased precipitation. But our may signals has been highly variable so if you think about this year where we had 20 to 26 days of rainfall in may we couldn't recover from a cold wet april versus 2018 when we had a a very cold april ninth coldest on record but we had our record warmth and dry in may so we were able to recover from that slow start so i think the key to next spring as we come off a wet winter and probably a wet early spring is what happens to that pattern in May, and are we able to recover quickly enough that we that we avoid a situation that we had this year with so much uh, acreage not planted um, across parts of the state?
0: Yeah, it would be really nice to have a spring that had some nice steady rains to start out with maybe and ease into a good planting window, but who knows <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, some of the other evidence that stacks up, obviously, uh, you know, we, we also look at what's happening in other parts of the world. We talked about that connection earlier. Uh, tropical sea surface temperatures in the Pacific um, Pacific Ocean, if, you know, they're warmer than average, we call it an El Nino. Uh, that tends to be a dry winter here. Uh, if they're w- uh, cooler than average, it tends to what we call a La Nina event, tends to be wetter than average across Ohio. Uh, we we really have neutral conditions this year, uh, and if you look back back in the climatology of neutral conditions, we tend to be a little bit on the cool side throughout winter and spring, and precipitation uh, basically comparisons with normal close to normal as we head through the winter, but then as we get into spring, those tend to go toward a wet signal. So we've got a couple things coming together. Unfortunately, I think that sets us up for a wet spring in 2020.
1: If I'm remembering correctly, we've really spent a lot of time in that neutral zone. Is that the case? Are we not really swinging to either side anymore?
2: Uh no, we we uh we still see um our phases of ENSO, El Niño and La Niña. Uh last year, um we actually had an El Nino. So one of the things we were thinking after that very saturated fall was, well, we're going into an El Nino winter, which means what? Well, it means that Ohio Valley is usually dry, so that can help us recover. Uh, winter of 2019 was the 11th wettest on record for the state. So it didn't pan out that way. So what you touch on and you hit on uh, a little bit of the, the, that goes along too with these rapid changes between cold and warm or wet and dry, is just that variability of weather, and and, and are we losing the predictability uh, based on some of these large scale forcing like El Nino or La Nina conditions? That that's a, a an open research question. You know, are we able to depend on these seasonal predictors like we did in the past? Maybe not. Uh, which makes, of course, what I do all the more challenging, but also interesting to talk about. So while while the condi- you know our phases are still happening, our anticipated effects and impacts, and the more we know about how those interactions take place, maybe they're not as predictable seasonal indicators as they used to be. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it does, yeah, I mean that's kind of the pattern we've been seeing is everything just becoming more unpredictable. Unfortunately, that makes it difficult right yeah, and I remember just a couple of weeks ago, or, you know, since the end of October, the rains that came, they were really slow and steady and lasted all day. And that was such a nice change of pace compared to what we normally get. And it's been so long, it seems like since we've had a rain like that.
2: Yeah, you're not the first person that that's mentioned that. So I think there is a collective... Um, understanding of the changes in the type of precipitation we see. We know that most of our rainfall, not most, but a large percentage of our rainfall is occurring in heavy precipitation events. You know, it comes down much more of a tropical nature. Uh, If we think about the, you know, the energy associated with that, it's a lot, you know, it's basically this tropical or, or Gulf of Mexico type fueled storms Um, But we just have a lot of huge quantity of that coming down at once. The the rains that we saw in October and early part of November to help alleviate the drought were exactly what we needed for the drought areas, right? These slower, steady, really soaking into the ground, really recharging that soil moisture. uh, and, And I think that that's what really helped recover from drought fairly rapidly across the region. I think that's a great observation.
1: Yeah, I think you had asked me at one point how much rain we had gotten, and I, I told you maybe a quarter, and it felt like a lot more, and you said that was a symptom of the drought we'd been experiencing. It, it almost didn't feel like I remembered how rain used to fall.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think that that was an interesting conversation. And, and um, you know, when you don't have the rainfall for a while, certainly I think we all, um, appreciate it when it does finally return and, and sort of recall what it's like to get rainfall. Right. So, um, but I, you know, and I think for us and, and what we do, um, you know, what I do as a meteorologist, but what you do as as farmers and and farm agricultural educators, you know, we really, we're, we're all meteorologists. We're all weather people that are very in tune to the weather because it impacts all of our lives. And so uh, I think the farming community really notices the changes uh, when they see them, um, and, and I think that that's what, what what you're speaking to there.
0: Well, Aaron, anything else we need to touch on before we say goodbye?
2: Uh, no, I think, uh, I think we've covered it certainly as far out as we can. Um, we'll, we'll certainly see how the, the patterns play out here as we head through the latter part of November and into the wintertime. Again, kind of just a summary, you know, I expect a wetter than average winter, probably a wetter than average spring as well. So uh, these these problems, these issues with um, compaction and soil moisture in the fields and and planting and planting windows uh, are are likely to remain. These are the issues that we're facing as a community. So uh, the more we can learn about how things are changing and what we can do to help build some resilience to that, I think is important. So uh, I'll can continue to offer any, uh, outlooks and, and data and, and things that we need as a community. I certainly appreciate the opportunity uh, for this podcast and, uh, I'll be back on soon. Thanks.
1: Yeah, Erin, Um, I know I enjoy following you on social media. So would you mind sharing your Facebook and Twitter so that other folks can follow along with your forecast this winter?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I I do provide a daily forecast. It's really geared towards southwest Ohio, the Dayton, Columbus, Cincinnati area, because this is where I grew up. Um, But that's on Dr. Wilson's weather. That's on Facebook, Dr. Wilson's weather. You can find that there. Uh, I have a Twitter at Dr. Wilson's WX as well, uh, which, um, you know, reach out, um, tell me what you're upset about. What do you want to know? I certainly uh, enjoy the social media aspects as well. So just reach out on those two platforms and, and I'll look for you.
1: Great. Thank you, Aaron. I'm sure we'll have you back pretty soon. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. And I just want to notify our listeners. Elizabeth mentioned um, that a lot of us are dealing with compaction. So Precision University is January 8th this year combating compaction is our theme we're bringing in speakers from across the u.s and canada and registration is now open for that so you can find the information at go.osu.edu slash precision thanks for
1: listening to the agronomy and farm management podcast join us again in two weeks for our next episode